Hey everyone and welcome to the freshest, newest episode of the Modern Employer Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about creating processes that people will actually follow as we scale. Just chatting a little bit about the value of this podcast we want to bring to you. Uh, We want to talk to uh, startup leaders who are in the process of scaling up their operations. You will find our conversations today around mobilizing your people, building scalable behaviors, and selecting the right HR professionals at each stage of your growth. We hope that all of that will be really valuable for you. And as always, from any Modern Employer channel content, we hope you get enough actionable tips and advice that you can actually follow. Now, another huge shout out to all the ladies out there who celebrated the International Women's Day. Uh, We want to introduce another small series of podcasts talking to the ladies who made it and today we have a special guest to help us talk about scaling um, and talk about scaling correctly we have Ghislaine here with us Ghislaine would you like to introduce yourself Yes, um, thank you for having me, uh, and, and I've made it, so uh, that's that's an amazing thing as well to have. Um, for me, I'm really passionate about allowing people to do their best work and delight others, and I help leaders operate and grow customer-centric businesses to ensure that the life of those businesses are in the safe hands of the people on the front lines, treating them as assets and not cheap cogs. So um, for me, it's really about empowering people that are working within that business to be amazing. Um, I work across international businesses and I help scale um, small businesses and, and grow them um, as, as their early stage up until um, they get to a point where they potentially need to hire someone full time or help them build a team around that. And um, I love the fast moving, fast paced environment that startups and, and small businesses uh, have. So I really love that kind of chaos, ambiguity, and bringing that into some kind of order and putting things in place so that they can sustainably grow. And that's extremely important when you're trying to scale a startup. Um, we are delighted to have you with us today, Elaine. And as always here, Karthika. Hi everyone, I'm excited um, to have Ghislaine on. Um, it's it's so refreshing um, to have you on because we can now talk about like the seed stage and the chaos that startup really has, the good vibes, the bad vibes and the good vibes, but um, it's always interesting to talk about the challenges of, of that environment and um, what to look for and how to actually scale that. Um, as you move forward because I think the foundation is the key to anything Um, and yeah it's exciting I'm happy to have you on and happy to get started with this as well Um, so let's start off maybe we could start with our first topic and get straight into it Um, we have mobilizing people at the beginning that's our topic one Um, and we're we're talking about intentional culture driven um, by the leaders and um, I wanted to throw this back to you, Ghislaine, um, because obviously there are practical behaviors that you want to sort of implement from, from the get-go. And, um, you know, a lot of companies now, and I, I think I've recently gone through this, a lot of companies now going towards a more um, joint contributor model where everybody is sort of like 
a leader in their own right, if you will. Um, so how, how do you build these type of behaviors from the beginning and what do you look out for? So I think the main thing, um, I suppose, is kind of the cultural behaviours and we sort of touch on culture. And I think the main thing is this sort of people see culture as a sort of um, if you have one or if you don't. And, and I think for me, the behaviours that come from that is actually an intentional culture versus an organic one. So every business and every set of leaders have the kind of behaviours that they use every single day without even thinking. And I think that's the one thing where when you're early stage, you don't really think about it, but you behave in a certain way and you kind of surround yourself with people who will understand how you work. And there's very few of you, there's not very much miscommunication. And um, one of the challenges of that is then you're bringing essentially a group of adults together, let's put it that way. And they all work well together and they've kind of come along on an even um, keel. Maybe they've all started the business together or that, you know, early employees to that business and there's a kind of sense of we all know what we're doing we've been hired for that particular reason and so there's a lot of shorthand and there's a lot of things you don't really need to be that explicit about it just happens it's organic and it's all fabulous um, but what happens is is the complexity of adding more people and one of the things that is interesting um, in any business where you're looking at sort of adding more people and you want people who are leaders and who possibly have entrepreneurial tendencies. And in the early stages, that's what you want. The risks are high. But there is also that sort of paradox of people who are entrepreneurial and, and maverick having, they're really difficult to manage. So whilst you can all be around a table and have brilliant ideas and work together, you've actually got to deliver on a lot of these activities as well. And so there's that gap between the leading and the being an adult and sort of delivering for yourself versus making sure that things are done and making sure that things are done properly. And I think, again, when you're in early stages, it's all a bit fun. You don't have any kind of major targets and milestones, but even when you get to about five people, you start needing to actually put some description in, in place and you kind of people here or people like us do things like that or do things like this. Yeah. And, and I think there has to be a bit more of a description about what that expectation is. Um, and we don't tend to have that conversation of this is what I actually expect of you. It's like I'm hiring an adult. I'm hiring someone who is the same level as me, co-creator. Mm -hmm. But there are certain expectations in that. And we do it in other areas of our life, um, you know, like relationships and things. But at work, we sort of forget. We just think, well, someone's coming as an adult. I'm an adult. Let's get through it. And we're not very explicit about what that really means and where the decision points are and who has the veto and, and who has the final say and who guides that. And I think those are the things where those explicit conversations often don't happen until you're a bit further along and then you go, oh, my God, we need to have these because everything's falling apart. And I think having those early conversations is really important. I, I couldn't agree more. I think those conversations generally happen you know and I and I've said it to both of you um my sweet spot is sort of you know past that 30 plus and I feel like at that point if you're having those conversations you're going to start annoying other people within the organization and I think that's where sometimes scale up slips a little bit um because then you're starting to define who are the who has decision rights 
um, other people might not agree with that because they've had previously decision rights or they've organically had that and that's been now taken away from them. Um, and you know, the, these conversations about accountability, what are your responsibilities? What have, how much impact have you made? Like other than your responsibilities, those conversations are never really had in below that 30, in my opinion. I think Ghislaine, you might agree that sometimes that those, those aspects are missed. Um, and I wonder why that is as well, why, why those conversations don't happen earlier and what the reasoning or the sense around that would be. I think I, th I think it goes back to sort of, I suppose the organic nature and and there's an element of um, and I see this across quite quite different sort of relationship elements but people find it a real struggle to ask what is deemed a difficult question it's mm -hmm. like well what is my space here what am I responsible mm -hmm. for um, and I think in relationships um, I, I've been fortunate enough I know a few coaches and one of them is a really good teams coach and there's a, something about the responsibilities even in um, in a marriage in, a, in any kind of relationship and especially in business it's like there's two people come together with skills or two or three people come together with skills and who's really responsible for certain elements and who's who's going to take one thing and another and I mean I, I certainly um, with teams take the more kind of process and sort of behavioral aspects of, of, of a team and almost codify and document it but there's like as two people coming together there's three people coming together who is responsible for what needs to be done and it's almost like well this is what we need to do and who's responsible for that and who is gonna have the veto and who if things go wrong you know who does that and I think we struggle with those very basic conversations because we're never really taught, even in our friendships, to say, you know, why are we friends? What is it about this relationship <laughs> that brings us together? And and it's kind of this really odd thing is like the assumptions that we make. And it's not that hard to turn around and go, OK, we're doing this piece of work. Right? What are you going to do and what am I going to do? But people sort of go, oh, we can't have that conversation. You're kind of like, why not? It's not, you know, there's no dirty words. It's not politics. It's not um you know religion um and i think this is the thing is is people don't demark their their place in the business and say you know this is what you need to do this is what you're responsible for mm -hmm. and i think again then the conversations that you have as they grow the understanding there is i was responsible for this area but now that's been split into two roles and so i'm not um i haven't been kind of demoted but this role is now too big that I need to split it in two and therefore ownership yeah, yeah. Well, the ownership and also the approvals it's not about losing an approval it's about the business growing enough that you've got too much work to do which is a wonderful positive it. non like non-threatening thing really mm. um if you think about it and it's actually great in in someone's progression and every time I've had these sort of difficult conversations because it hasn't been put in place before and we then start talking about your job matrix what your what your ownership actually is within the organization what decision rights you have um when you have those conversations it's like oh you're not following the culture and the values and it, this is no longer organic anymore um and I, I think then there, there's that whole question around that psychological safety piece, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, 
does everyone then have a voice when we start putting in those sort of accountabilities and responsibilities and where does that psychological safety come into play um and you know when when you're smaller i think it's easier to have a sense of psychological safety because there's less people around the table um and as you grow the accountability is different and your responsibilities are different to that psychological safety piece right so building a safe environment as you grow is really important that everyone has a voice but they should have a voice even outside of their role and responsibilities and that's still okay to mm-hmm. have um and i think that sometimes that gets missed right in that initial stages of of building um a really cohesive team that works together and um that that moment of realization oh we need to have roles and accountability yes but we're we're not having psychological safety and that sometimes becomes an issue um i think there's an element of just relationships and obviously you know people better and as you get bigger you don't know people so well sorry Olya. (laughs) no i i was just gonna say that um i i agree with you you know it's about that that scale aspect as well. As you grow, you do not have those personal relationships maybe to the same extent, Um, but Mm -hmm. also it's about just understanding that when you scale, you, it is a normal process of change. And a lot of the time when people get demotivated from their role becoming too big and then suddenly focusing on lesser of an accountability for it, it's it's a conversation that very rarely happens on an open, transparent basis where you're like, I recognize everything you have been doing. We recognize the change that has been happening. We are empowering you to continue contributing because you are the one who built the function. So you have the trust, you have our you know, full backing. And a lot of the time, we just need to make sure we keep having those transparent conversations with people. And what I am seeing from just reading around and research, but also talking to people and Funnily enough, my husband has just been acquired his company by another huge, huge unicorn company. And uh, all of his teams are going through something like this now as well, where when a company is just obsessed with that fast growth, they start sacrificing on not only the quality of the work they do while they scale, but they sacrifice on the quality of those relationships and the quality of the conversations because everything just speeds up to 100 miles an hour and you suddenly get you suddenly have so much change going through your doors and through everyone's mind that it's almost like talking about it is now less important there is no time to talk about it there is do 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 and and this and this breaks the culture breaks the trust engagement and you know just brings me nicely onto the next subject here of when we are trying to build scalable behaviors across function how do we actually you know empower these people to realize that whatever behaviors they have been doing already they have to be scaled now to to have kind of that larger uh output with the same amount of effort and and so I just would like to bring that back into this conversation, ladies. Uh, Ghislaine, in particular, what do you think about this? Like, what sort of behavior 
has to exist in order for people to be to be using it for scale so i think i think where certainly where i build uh, processes to scale you you need to separate out um, and certainly with startups you'll often have just one person doing a role so let's say customer service because that's my sort of um uh, love affair with customer services you usually have one kind of person or maybe a couple of people doing customer service and what then happens is you need to scale that obviously as your customers grow and everything else and there's something very specific about I think early stage operational people customer service admin where they're just really they've got the personality to sort of be empathetic and do all of those things and what you need to do is you split out what is it that makes them who they are versus what is it that they do that makes them great at customer service? And so if you're hiring, let's say you've got the cultural fit and you're bringing like-minded people into the business, they've already got the kind of culture and behaviours that you enjoy and want in your business, but they're doing functional work that they're either very, um, they're able to do because it's kind of a personality trait or they're just, um, is it a, a skill set that they have? Now, in my mind, often you're hiring people for a skill set, but also a personality trait. I sometimes think job descriptions should be personality descriptions. But that's where you then scale because you can understand, you know, Bob over there and Tina over there. They're very different people and they come with very different uh, styles to the same job but there's a, there's a core of what they do every single day that is the same and so what I try and do is then sort of extract the person from the process and um, get them sort of split in terms of what do you need people to do and, and what's the actual day-to-day -day? and then what is the great stuff about the magic people that you have that empowers them to to do um, the particular job and there's personality styles and um, the sort of people that they are that allows them to do a great job and you can hire lots of different people and the core is still the same but then there's the magic of difference across the top of that and I think that's really where the magic happens with scalable processes is this the boring mundane stuff that no one actually ever wants to do what can you automate what can you build a process or a checklist or something that just means that all the thought about everything they do has been taken away and all they then have is the magic that is them to bring on top so empathy is a, is a great one where they just they care they do a good job they really care about the people that they're interacting with on any given day but the processes are covered and, and they can do the the actual sort of boring side of the job because mm. the processes support that and I think that's really where the magic happens is what's process and what's the people and I think the other side of it is processes don't have to be complex, you know, to scale. Um, generally, you need technology. It's very hard to scale without technology. But you start looking at where when you've got two people, they can only service 800 customers. But where you've got four people, they can service 800 customers. And you really look at the critical mass and the fact that you've got the, the numbers that you have can do more with less because of operational um, efficiencies and, and effectiveness across the board. So I think that's really, for me, where I look at how you scale and you separate out the person from the actual kind of activities that they need to do on any given day. Yeah, that, that that's brilliant. I was gonna say, like, I think one of the things is, especially maybe in the people remap, the first thing we go to is 
if it's not working well, we go straight to changing a policy um, versus changing the process. Um, or we don't um, necessarily, especially I've noticed when you're coming up from a smaller startup and you have leaders who have led in that smaller startup realm, their mindset isn't as agile, I would say, um, even though they have been in that reactive space and worn many hats, um, I feel when there is a process change or um, when you're trying to automate a process, automating processes are wonderful. And I think um, businesses have to start looking into that um, as you scale because um, you, with automating processes as you circulate, it, it saves you from some tasks that are super mundane and that you don't want to get into um, particularly so that is a really good way of doing it but also as you scale you need to be agile enough right with processes so if you know as you scale one of the things that I've always noticed is like roadmaps for instance and you know we're, we're living in a world um, that unfortunately we need to be able to twist and turn quickly um, and so, you know, I always say the roadmap is there to give us guidance, but if something pops up as we scale, um, we need to address it quickly and we need to make agile movements towards that area. And I think um, it, a lot of people when they're in that startup phase um, find that extremely difficult as you scale to change that mindset. And I think that's a mindset that you have to have and you have to uh, recruit for um, and also it's a mindset that needs to be educated on as you scale, you know, you have to have voices in there, opinions in there as you scale, because there are going to be places where you miss things, right? So this is what I'm saying, this is past your sort of startup, this is now your scale up phase where you miss, start missing things. Um, if you don't ask for opinions and you don't ask for um, teamwork and you don't ask for everybody's um, viewpoints um, you start missing things as you scale so um, I love that you know as you said you have to build a personality profile you have to know what exactly you want to build for um, but also I think mindset is extremely important as you're um, going towards this transition phase as well mindset is extremely important and everyone be on the same page so businesses that are building to scale across you know, across the organization, um, need to probably think about how do we communicate um, scalable behaviors? How are we going to get, have internal communications as well as external communications, you know, because it is important for their, um, for their clients or external clients to know exactly what's happening within an organization. I think that's extremely important. Um, but having scalable behaviors be part of it. How are we communicating that? Um, because as you said, you know, there's a lot, lots of discussion about transparency during this particular phase, I would say, um, around transparency. And I would say, actually, um, you know, I think there is a level of transparency that you can have. Um, but then I think there is also that comes under like, has everyone's voices been heard? Mm. Uh, I think that's what transparency actually looks like in that in that phase, particularly. That's good, but you know, with what I'm hearing from both from both of you right now, I'm just I'm just trying to wrap it up for uh, for our listeners today. Um, it sounds like there is some sort of 
core goal, some sort of core identity that you want to achieve as a team or as a business whenever you approach a certain process or a certain deliverable. And so it sounds to me like it's really important to identify what that goal is or, or what that identity is. So if it's a personality thing or if it's a process thing of exactly the behavior that needs to happen and the outcome kind of this is this is our end goal and then our identity as a team of all of this uh, three sets of kind of personality factors maybe that can help us be more productive together that that is looked at almost at the same time and then what seems like what happens after is that when you have these two things identified at the very beginning uh, you can try and sort out your processes for scale where you retain those key factors and and still you have maybe similar number of resources as they operate uh, through those processes and through those behaviors I think I'm just going, sorry, adding to that is that trust. And there's a couple of things that I think it's said is one is having that trust and all the voices in the room and also with the processes is that constant reviewing. And so that people can turn it up and say this process isn't working anymore and that constant review, but trust that people will highlight something that is a problem. Mm -hmm. I think all of those those three kind of things feed into anything that you do to scale has to have those three elements in there. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that has definitely worked for me is organizations stop talking about what's working, but start talking about what's not working for you, and have everyone involved in what is actually a challenge for the organization. And I think that's what people mean when they say, "Can you start being more transparent?" Is you know what is actually being spoken at the executive table that is a challenge for the organization. Um, you know what are you what are we facing because we want to face it together um, and I think that that's a really important one is that you make people feel that because what, as soon as you stop talking about the challenges and you start saying this is all positive people get comfortable mm. and it's not a scalable behavior because um, you always want to be challenged an actionable tip from me for that, uh, something that I'm really happy that we have implemented at Switchy. Um, back in the summer 2020, we basically included a question on what's not working and, and what needs to be changed. Um, you know, the specific wording is slightly different, but essentially we asked people at their quarterly one-to-one um, -one conversations with their manager for what are the things that you consider blockers that need to be changed and I feel like it's it's just such a good tip for doing what you ladies just mentioned before kind of have that transparency and that voice that trust that people have that they're like okay this is a systematic way for the leadership team to find out what I want to change so people kind of get on that wagon and they and they share I think this is kind of a good thing if you want to implement something like this but that brings me on to the next topic here and um you know thank you ladies so much for all of your discussions so far I think we 
we've mentioned this before, and it's just sort of for every single subject, you know, when it comes to organizational structure and companies, we seem to constantly bring in the people management aspect or the people side of stuff. <laughs> what can an HR person do? What can a people professional do to help businesses at different stages of growth? And this is like a bonus topic here from us, I feel. Um, I want to ask you ladies, for what advice would you give um, startup leaders out there for how to select the best people person for different stages of the growth of their companies? Um, I, I know we've spoken about this a little bit previously. I feel at the early stages that you often don't necessarily need a people person per se, but um, I, I fall into the gap of being a, um, an operational director person who is absolutely fundamentally focused on people. And so a lot of the time it's a case of, okay, well, this business is gonna scale. What do we need to put in now? How do we structure the organization now? Um, taking into consideration that operationally the people aren't necessarily even there yet but they're going to come so I always have that slant on um, who will we need how do we hire and that some of the conversations around culture and what what do we do so there's an organizational behaviors um, and organizational culture that you're setting yourself up and if you do that really well a lot of the conversations that we've had just now about if you don't do them, what problems you see further down the line. And I think there's an element of you need people. So I can write a job description. I can look at a, a function and turn around and say, right, this is the sort of person you need. This is what the job is. This is what the day to day is for that person. And I can write a really good job description, but I can't. I'm very bad at recruitment. So often you may well need someone who is very good at kind of going and finding these people and having a good partnership or maybe you get talent acquisition in um, first and foremost but those people that are going out to hire really understand the culture and the uh, what you're trying to achieve and I think um, so that's kind of my view really early stage but it very quickly becomes apparent that you've got all the elements of the boring things like payrolls policies making sure that people are dealt with and all that that formally fits into the HR function and I would say even quite early on you want a people operations or certainly um, you know an HR generalist type person um, to, to cover the sort of administrative needs of, of hiring people and often those people can grow into um, a nice role as the company grows and, and that person can develop um, but I, I think culture is really important and I think having someone I think it's really important to have someone on the C-suite or someone in the leadership team who has a seat at the table who looks at and manages how people are treated. And I think that's something that is becoming a lot more um, around and, and, and the you know, chief people officer and things like that is becoming much more prevalent, but possibly not enough. And I think once you get to um, probably, you know, 20, 30 people, you need someone who is looking strategically at how those people are onboarded, um, how management happens. I think people management is a skill that we're not taught. You, you become a people manager, that's where you learn the most, but the support for those people managers can often be lacking, um, certainly for new 
people managers and also in startup where you're kind of hired for different skills and not necessarily for the pastoral care skills or, or knowing how to manage people, how to hire people, all those things. And I think having someone who has that experience um, is a coach, is a mentor, is training those people up actually sooner rather than later, um, I think is really important. And now I'm going to defer to you two because you're much more <laughs> aware of what is needed as, as organisations grow, because I'm not really into the politics of organisations beyond about 50 people. So I kind of step back at that point. Yeah, I'm, I mean, for me, I, you know, as I, as you said, like it's, it's when the organisation's slightly bit bigger. Um, but I've always believed in, in a lean management function for a people function and we we act as extensions of other functions and what I mean by that is when I say lean I mean look everybody on the people function is going to have parts administrative mundane things that they have to do that we couldn't automate but I also think the way that the people function is going I think there is an especially if you're probably more um, I can speak more in the tech side of things versus um, any other side but um, in the tech side of things I think it's really important to have somebody there who um, is able to integrate or automate processes in your team for the rest of the organization, who is able to look at tools and think about it in a more engineering sense of like, how do we get this there? And then I think there is that importance of having a marketing person there. Um, so having somebody who understands internal communications, external communications, how to market. Um, and then I say the recruitment piece is probably also very important but I say they're the sales people of your organization they they sell sell you exactly what you need um, so I think there is sort of all of these elements that are working tremendously together and I think those three are my sort of main main go-tos in in the lean management side of things um, but you know when I I don't tend to as we as especially you scale and grow I don't tend to have um, junior people administrators for instance because I think that is a role that sometimes is just super mundane that somebody doesn't actually want to get into that they're more likely to leave um, so I don't have that role for a person past sort of 50 people because I just feel like that that's a shared responsibility that all of us will get on with doing administrative tasks as and when we need to be doing that um including myself i uh, you know uh, as a leader i would also be doing those administrative tasks so i wouldn't have somebody on my team doing that um but as you grow the right people and people in in the organization i think can ultimately change what what you need so think about what you're missing I like the also the other thing you're saying about um doing some of the admin tasks and sharing those tasks I think that's really key that you you're almost in touch with the day-to-day -day as well number one so it's kind of practically important but also shows that you're in it together and as a leader that you wouldn't I always kind of go I wouldn't ask someone else to do something I'm not willing to do myself and I think that approach is really nice is we all we all get a bit of the dull in order that we can also get mostly the fun. So, you know, I really like that approach. Yeah. I would just like to say here as well that 
as someone who has genuinely joined companies with like under 20, <laughs> like I feel as if when you are when you are a smaller company, I agree with you, Ghislaine, that you you might want to have, you know, somebody like you who can help put stuff together uh, and somebody with really kind of people approaches at heart with those core values that, uh, you know, you, you want to really look after people and you want to make sure people are happy when you bring them into the business, especially when the business is so young. And then as it goes into, um, you know, after 10 people, like 12, 15 people, I would recommend already at that stage to have a generalist uh, people person in the business, somebody who can set the groundwork for further scale. I found that, that um, sometimes I would I would join the company that was, you know, already past 25 people and they would not have those core things enabled which made it very difficult for a sole people person to not only be operationally there operationally awake and understand the day-to-day -day, and in the hindsight try to put the groundwork in place that people who have probably already been employed in this company for like over two years they still never had and not used to and, and this is kind of another thing that just delays the adoption and delays you mobilizing people to follow certain behaviors when they've never had to for the two years time they were there. And they're suddenly like, what? I need to fill up surveys? What? I need to follow policies? What, where is the employee handbook? <laughs> totally. <laughs> These, these things could be avoided if at the very beginning you just bring an awake, competent, generalist people person into the business who can lay the groundwork for you and make sure that the people are mobilized and are aware of the expectation. Falls back on what you were talking about, Ghislaine, at the very beginning. What is expected of people? Um, you know, that conversation from the very beginning. What do we want you to do? We, we are starting this relationship together. Um, we have recruited you. You know, we have promised you our employer value proposition. This is all we want to do with you. But this is what we expect back. This is our ways of working. And having somebody who can put those ways of working for you at the very beginning for that conversation has to happen. <laughs> uh, it's going to make so much difference. Yeah. And Ali and Ghislaine, just on that note, would you say that you would have somebody like obviously Ghislaine, like you're very experienced, but what if a, you know organization is looking towards a more junior person to come in and fulfill that um, space? would you say that was recommended or would you move away from that? I think, I mean, I think it depends on, on the construction of, of the team that you have and the support around you. Um, and I think that's the thing is if, if I was, um, say for example, in, in the COO role and growing that business at that point, I would bring a journalist in and then mentor and coach and, and help them. And with a lot of those things, because a lot of it, as you say, is administrative, but there is that mindset um, and that, space of growth so I think if you put someone who's quite junior straight into a role that um, is going to grow very quickly and they don't know what good looks like so that's the other challenge is you can hire you know someone who's been doing it for a couple of years but they don't really know what good looks like they know what they've seen before and I think that's the challenge is with people specifically 
there I mean we're all experienced people people but and we've come across all these different things and we go oh, we have to write policy for that now that's the first time I've seen this happen I think pregnancy is probably in startup the the thing I see the most is that oh we've got a pregnant employee now um where's our maternity or paternity policy mm. um but I think that's the challenge is when you're dealing with people and they're messy, if you bring someone in who doesn't have a lot of experience, everything is new. And then the people in your company don't feel supported because they're like, oh, I'm going to someone who doesn't even know. I've read more than they have. And so I think you have to be really careful where you're taking care of people. You need someone who's possibly been around the block if they're offering advice or guidance. It's very difficult if you're you know of a certain age or whatever you know if you're 35 and you're speaking to a 24 year old about difficult family situation it that's that can be a struggle um so i think it really depends you know if you've got let's say um in tech startup world to go really typical you've probably got a, a marketing business dev type ceo possibly a technical co um technical founder and then someone who's technical and possibly someone who's sort of Mark, uh, product you know so let's say the three none of them have ever really managed before or have any kind of concept of people employment responsibilities that come from an organization if you've got them and you hire a junior your culture probably won't be very good um, and the junior will be just running around trying to fix a lot of problems and not really know what those fixes are and going back to Ollie's point you know the the journalists coming in and telling people what to do and everyone's kind of going well, why should we care um, and so I think that's the challenge I think sometimes if you've got the support there you've got an HR consultancy or an expert or a mentor or a coach or someone on the leadership team who has all that experience I think it's fine but if you're asking someone to be planted in with no support from anywhere else I think they need to have been around the block a little bit yeah exactly I, I really agree with Elaine I think why not set people up for failure <laughs> yes um, but also just just take a look at yourself as a leader and take a look at your leadership team and and just try and be self-aware is your leadership team open to those concepts of correct and and thoughtful empathetic people management etc cetera, etc cetera? is your leadership team open because if it isn't you might have a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the last piece of, uh, you know, actionable advice. Try and look back at your leadership team, try and have conversations with them to kind of grasp how they feel towards an HR department, because it will be very difficult, even for a seasoned HR person. I'm, I'm talking from like yeah. experience of what I've been through. It's difficult even for somebody who has had the ropes and who has done before when they join a leadership team that just doesn't care about the people's stuff. It, so it can kill anyone, no matter junior or senior. It can survive as a junior if your leadership team has the right mindset and if it has the person there or people there who generally will act as, you know, a support system and you're championing your ideas, even if you are a junior. There is actually a wonderful role going on at Learnably as a head of people currently. So if you haven't checked it out I, and you are looking for a role, I would 100% go and check that one out because it is the right role and they have a great leadership team willing to listen to a new head of people. Um, and I think this is a wonderful role for anyone. Um, I'll second that. <laughs> 
it is it is great <laughs> um so yeah definitely recommend um right then well thank you both and thank you for everybody who has tuned in into this podcast with us today just to summarize we just spoke about how you mobilize people how you create processes that people will actually follow and why should people follow them who do you have to bring on board and what sort of mindset they have to have in order to be able to make people follow stuff and so thank you again thank you for listening i hope we'll hear your comments and feedback on our linkedin channel the modern interior and if you have more suggestions of the topics or things that you want us to cover please don't hesitate to get in touch thank you everyone thanks everyone